Welcome to Disruption Land. Welcome to Disruption Land. Welcome to Disruption Land. The unconventional take on all things innovation, tech, and transformation. Join us as we explore the ideas and impact that might just change, change the, the world. world. Welcome to a new episode of Disruption Land. Disruption Land is brought to you by Epicenter. Innovation House with hubs in Stockholm, Helsinki and Oslo and soon perhaps in another city near you. My name is Hannes Sapiens Sjöblad. I work as Chief Disruption Officer here at Epicenter and I'm your host for today's episode. The Disruption Land pod is about understanding the big technology trends that are transforming businesses, entire industries and even society itself. Disruption Land aims to uncover what is the dynamite of the creative destruction of our economy, to analyze its chemistry and to map the power of its explosive impact. We want the entrepreneurs, innovators and business leaders in the wider epicenter ecosystem to understand how to turn the ongoing transformation into opportunities. Particular paradigm that it is that is of great interest to us is the digitalization of biology. The fact that biology is increasingly available to us as an information technology that we cannot just read the code of life but also edit and write it ourselves. And the pace of the development within the field of digital biology is absolutely staggering. A recent example is, of course, in the COVID-19 reading of the virus. Uh, So the researchers were able to sequence the genome of the virus in 48 hours, and the digital copy of the virus spread a lot faster around the world than the virus itself. Most researchers around the world were able to see and analyze the, the code of the virus before it even arrived in their shores. Anyway, this is with great privilege. I want to welcome Louise Nilén, who is the chief executive at one of the leading digital bio businesses in the Nordics, Dynamic Code. Louise, excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. Um, Louise, would you mind telling us, for those listeners who may not be familiar with Dynamic Code, what do you guys do? Well, we label Dynamic Code as a health tech company where we work with uh, remote diagnostics. So the concept that we offer is testing with self-sampling that you take at home, you send off to a laboratory for analysis, and then you receive the test result online. And you're never left with that test result, but you can also access a digital healthcare provider for discussion about your test result if it's negative or if it's positive, you know, prescription of antibiotics or whatever cure is needed for that particular infection. Amazing. I mean, one of the great things with uh, Dynamic Code is I think that you have managed to take not just the analysis part and and the lab dimension, but you're able to productify and take some great products to market. Um, Has that been a long journey? 
Well, the company has been around for, for quite some time, actually, uh, but it has evolved over time. Uh, and this is approximately five, seven years since this type of concept was, uh, was developed. Um, so it's been, it's been a journey, but it's also, of course, a timing issue, as we know, with successful uh, companies and business ideas, it's almost mainly about timing. And now with the acceleration of digital healthcare providers, etc., the concept that we offer is becoming um, much more relevant. Yes, you're indeed uh, riding on a transformation wave, absolutely, which is benefiting you. But you positioned yourself very well in preparation for, for the wave, so to say. But Luz, before we get into the specifics of Dynamic Code, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what's your professional journey and what, what took you to Dynamic Code? Well, I started off as a consultant, so very broadly, um, but very soon realized that I wanted to be part of building something, not just, you know, entering companies, analyzing and coming with suggestions, but I wanted to be part of the actual uh, building, seeing companies and people grow and, uh, and develop. And since then, I've been in several different industries. Every time I've changed uh, jobs, I've also changed industry. Uh, so I've been in um, um, in accessories for mobile phones, working with manufacturing in China. I've been in uh, online uh, casino and sports betting, in payments, and now I'm in the health tech business. Interesting. So and all these things were just the preparation for the big gig, right? Absolutely. And I think the, the red thread throughout has been the growth. So growth companies, it's all been Swedish companies that have uh, grown outside of, this, of uh, Sweden's borders. Interesting, excellent summary. Um, now, um, I mean, as we mentioned here, Dynamic Code has had great growth, uh, not least due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you tell us a little bit about this, what has taken place and uh, also how you see that the business will move in the future after the pandemic sort of ebbs out hopefully definitely well last year was um, a turbulent year for for all of us and not least for for dynamic code because uh, when the pandemic was a fact early in the year um, the company started developing a COVID-19 PCR test and this was ready in May and a month later uh, we had an agreement with the Agency of Public Health Folkhälsomyndigheten to be part of the national testing in Sweden. We also followed a number of agreements with um, uh, digital healthcare providers who also wanted to provide this to their patients. So following that, we expanded our lab. We increased our capacity gradually uh, in order to meet the huge demand that we're all aware was, was out there last year. And I would say that without initiatives from private actors such as ourselves, we wouldn't have been able to test at the scale that we did in Sweden. And then we've continued the journey and now most recently I'd say we, we have uh, developed our analysis method as well so we can um, detect the mutated viruses, the ones that are uh, quite um, uh, interesting at the moment, the British, uh, the South African and Brazilian um, mutations. And we have also developed an antibody test where 
we will be able to tell you what level of antibodies, neutralizing antibodies that you have um, and not just a yes or no response. And this will enable you to understand what level of, um, of immunity you have and potentially if it's time to take your next uh, dose of vaccine or not. That's amazing. That's wonderfully helpful. Can I just ask, because I'm interested really in how we uh, also create a societal infrastructure to help companies and entrepreneurs like you guys to to create those lab facilities, for example. I mean, what was there some limiting factor for you guys? Was it uh, difficult to get hold of inputs or, or people? Or, I mean, what... What did you experience were sort of the stuff that were holding you back on a general level? I would say that the main limitation was people. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have uh, you need qualified individuals to do these uh, lab analysis uh, and getting them in, getting finding them, first of all, getting them in, getting them trained does take uh, take some time. So uh, the dynamic code uh, employees, they worked extremely hard during last year because there weren't enough people and we've gradually recruited more and more. Um, so now I'd say we're in a more steady, steady state, but it's been a tough ride getting here. That's interesting, but also comforting that, you know, you've, you've geared up the, the team. So would you say there is a lack of, of people who have this type of skills uh, in the Swedish labor market? I think when you have to do something at this scale, it's quite natural that there will be a shortage of, of people. Mm -hmm. um, so at, at the steady state, I think it, it's probably uh, okay. But uh, of course, extreme cases do, uh, do demand extreme solutions. Here, here. So one of my favorite uh, uh, hobby horses is um, uh, when when you talk about what people study in schools and uh, sometimes people say yeah the kids should not be doing you know crafts they should be doing programming and I, uh, then I, I like to ask these people who, who propagate this so well what kind of programming do you mean do you mean programming of computers or do you mean programming of, of genetics because in my view what we need to educate the young generation who are in schools today is they should be DNA developers they should know how to to code how to read and write that kind of code because that's what the labor market is going to demand five ten years from now but I guess you guys are ahead of the curve here Luis as we can see dynamic code is superbly positioned to leverage the fact that biology is becoming an information technology if I ask you to look into the longer term future what trends do you see are driving the industry that you're in I think the key one is definitely the digitalization of healthcare. I mean, we're seeing, uh, especially in Sweden, but of course in many other countries as well, the digital healthcare providers uh, gaining a lot of ground. And sorry, can I ask when you say digital healthcare providers, what exactly do you mean with this term? I mean the the actors that are digital first. I mean now everybody's talking about digi physical, right? Because the majority of the digital healthcare providers, they are also opening up physical uh, GPs offices. Um, so so I guess it's it's all digi physical uh, at the moment. But we could say digital first at least. It's and a great distinction. Mm. Yeah. 
But also, I was um, amazed to see that my recent visit to my GP's office, then traditional healthcare was actually via video. So they are catching on as well. But, but the digitalization is definitely driving this because uh, it's only so far you can get through a video consultation and the triaging, you know, a number of questions to the patient. For many, uh, many infections, there will come a time where you need to take a test. Right, you need to have access to the, the meat and flesh and exactly. body. Yeah. Be because in order to give a safe diagnosis, you need this test result as well. And that's where dynamic code comes into the picture. We're the missing piece of the puzzle. Amazing. But let, let's explore this trend thing a little bit further because within the domain of digitalization, there are obviously different uh, components. You have the digital consultation. You also have the digital access to data. Right, so uh, for example, uh, when someone does a test with you, uh, how do they? How do you give them access to the data, or how, how, how? What's your understanding of that part of the process? It depends a little bit on how the journey is initiated, because our tests are sold direct to consumers, and they're also prescribed through healthcare providers. So, if you purchase this as uh, an individual, uh, you buy it from our web shop, then you will get the uh, test result online. You pick it up yourself and you then have the opportunity to speak to uh, a doctor afterwards, one of the digital healthcare providers. So this is in partnership. We don't have our own doctors. I see. So would a person, let's say I do a test, would it be automatically shared into my sort of public, my, my, prof my patient profile in some database system, or would that be my active decision to kind of hand over that data to? No, currently it's only shared with you. You pick it up with a unique code. All right, but if um, I speak to a doctor, then I can say, okay, I got this reply, and then they can potentially type that into the system. Yeah, we're, our systems are connected, so they will be able to uh, to get your um, uh, your test result. Okay, with but my consent. Yes, uh -huh. exactly. Smart. But then you have the other uh, initiation of the customer journey. If one of the healthcare providers prescribe a test, then they will be the ones that present this to you. Right. Okay. So they would get the reply in their system, and then yes. the doctor would call me, and that makes sense. In that's you know depending on the seriousness of, of of the diagnosis happening. Interesting. And then uh, you mentioned yeah we mentioned digital consultations nowadays. That's that's the mainstream experience. Uh, the digital access to data and solving that whole dimension of who shares what with whom, which is complex indeed. But uh, what I'm mostly curious about right now is the digital sort of uh, testing and uh, how to provide uh, tests to people. You know, let's say I'm at home and I don't feel well. How can you, how, you know, I go online and I order something from a web shop or what are my options? Well, the options are either to order it from, uh, from our web shop or you contact one of the digital healthcare providers. And uh, if they they deem necessary, they will prescribe one of our tests. Okay, but... Um, you can also, sorry, you can also buy it from uh, uh, all main pharmacies online. So they, and they often have very fast delivery times. That's, that's for me, that's the interesting part because ultimately if I'm not well, I don't want to go to a post office and pick something up, right? Or even if it's the local um, ICA or something. 
So what's your view? How, how, how should this be best designed in order to uh, make the best public safety solution? Well, logistics is a key part uh, of, uh, of this whole concept, of course. And currently we work with, um, with regular mail, but we're looking at developing the concept into more of the last mile delivery type services, because it's key, of course, both that you get the test quickly, but also that it can return back to the lab uh, quickly, so you have a fast turnaround time for your test result. So I think that's one of the challenges, of course, to do that in a cost-efficient manner. Uh, I mean, when you look at that kind of solutions, who are you inspired by? I mean, who are the, what's best in class in this in this setting? In delivering tests, you mean? Or yeah, for example. Mm -hmm. I don't see that there are any that uh, manage this um, at the moment. So I think rather looking at you know the food delivery uh, service companies and all the last the last mile delivery uh, services that are super interesting and growing like crazy mm. at the moment. So uh, I mean the. Uh, Let's not drop any brands, but we know them all, right? So uh, the guys with the colorful backpacks uh, biking around town or motorbiking, they shouldn't just have pizza in their backpacks. They can definitely have self-sampling tests in their backpacks, yes. And that, that will, that you expect that to be mainstream soon or at some point in the future? I would rather say soon, uh, to be honest. Well, I'd love that to happen. So specifically, if you look at this evolving industry, Louise, uh, what opportunities w do you see for, for companies and entrepreneurs? What are sort of the currently unsolved components in the value chain? I think looking at the area that we're focusing on, I mean, it's only in its infancy, right? I mean, the number of visits that happen every year in primary care where you could actually handle these visits or, or you could avoid them rather because you've taken a test before and you know that you don't need to see a GP. So I think, you know, focusing on, on solving this and, and expanding this, it's still just a fraction of what it could be. So this is uh, the opportunity that I would say is there. You mean the remote diagnostics exactly. specifically? Exactly. Right. So we're just making in the infancy. Sure, yeah. yeah, making sure that only the people that need care do visit hospitals or GP's mm. offices. Yeah, there's no point to visit just for a diagnostic if it can be done in the safety of your home. Exactly. And there is where you can find a huge value for you know, both the individual that can remain at home, doesn't have to sit in a waiting room with other people that might be sick, and also for the healthcare um, industry or, or sector where they can use their resources for a lot more uh, complex things than testing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the very idea that, oh, someone doesn't feel well, so they go to this house where there's a hundred other people who don't feel well, but they don't really know what's wrong with them, and you stick them in one room. I mean, that's 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 crude, right? That's yeah, not how we should do things. No, and, and it's something, of course, that people have realized now during the pandemic where you're not even uh, allowed to enter without taking your temperature, etc. Because the transmission in waiting rooms has, has become something that you're, you're aware of. So all of this is, uh, you know, driving the, the momentum for this type of remote diagnostics.
Yeah, and this is one of the many experiences from tech entrepreneurs that I speak to. It's always that it's easy to wa- to create this fancy high-tech solution that is kick-ass. The hard part is changing people's behavior. <laughs> That's a different skill set also. I mean, you can have uh, some very smart technicians or you know scientists who develop the the product and the solution and get all the patents, but then people don't understand how smart it is, right? And that's a di- different skill set, communicating, helping understand, creating the smooth user experience, right? And also changing behavior at different levels, because one thing is the individual and getting them to understand and accept the fact that you can get a safe diagnosis like this. But then you also have the politicians, because today there are reimbursement models that do not include testing for a lot of uh, different infections. So this is also a challenge where you would assume that you would want to do a test for all uh, all infections where it's possible, but due to the way that the healthcare providers are reimbursed, there's not no real room to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's hacking uh, society on a different level. So the best way to do it, I guess, is I mean, Jan Stenbeck uh, rightly said that uh, technology beats politics. So you just move the market. Now we do things like this. <laughs> so, you know, the legal the lawmakers have to catch up. Okay. Do you see yourself kind of like that? As, uh, what you guys do? Are you you're shaping sort of a new kind of system? Well, I think we are contrib- contributing, definitely. Uh, because with, uh, with what we've been able to show during the pandemic and how we have been able to help out. We've shown that this is something, a safe way to do it and that we're able to do it. I like it. But if I then could summarize uh, or, or round off this uh, particular topic a little bit, Liz, if you, if you want to describe for us in you know as clear terms as you can, what does the public health care system look like 10 years from today? What, what things are there that we don't see today? Well, if we focus on the area of diagnostics, I hope that it can be done remotely at a, uh, at a greater extent, either by you know, the, the people that you spoke about with the colorful backpacks, uh, biking uh, or motorbiking around delivering these tests, or that you have modules at home where you can uh, uh, drop some blood on a piece of paper, enter it into this module, and get uh, get your test result. For example. Hey, that's brilliant. I mean, in the kitchen, you have the toaster, you have the uh, Nespresso coffee machine, and then you have your healthcare uh, kit, right? It's like similar little white box, uh, and you can swipe yourself and the kids and whatnot. Uh, what's coming out of their noses in the morning. Exactly, or preferably, of course, a small module that you connect to your iPhone that can do everything. Obviously, yes, the, the whole processing and data presentation, which the toaster uh, also doesn't do, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, great. I want to ask you also a little bit about the uh, the backside of, of the digitalization and the, the challenges that, that we're seeing also in terms of, I mean, the whole, uh, a lot of people are doing gene tests and uh, um, I know you guys are not specifically in that domain, but certainly I know you're, you you are watching it. And the genetic sequencing industry is under scrutiny because of privacy and data protection concerns. I mean, people leave their health data in in these systems, and uh, they want to 
understand what's happening to their data and they want to keep control, right? And how do you think the industry should deal with, with this sort of data, uh, data challenges? Well, I think at least we can be happy in Europe where we have GDPR, even though it can be a headache for many companies on a daily basis. But at least there are clear rules for data protection. But it is still a challenging area, right? Because, uh, I mean, we read in the papers uh, regularly about data leaks, etc. So, so regardless, and, and these are, I mean, professional tech companies, right, mm. that still do not manage to protect their data. Mm. So uh, I, uh, I, don't, I don't have the answer at all. It's a challenging mm. question, definitely. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the, the it's good to rely on the lawmakers, but uh, do you see what, what, can, what can industry players like you guys do in terms of establishing good principles for data protection? I think we, we can do whatever is in, in our power to protect the data. But now I'm not a, an IT specialist, but it uh, does seem pretty difficult, if not even mm. the most professional tech companies are managing to protect their data properly. Mm -hmm. Nope. I mean, maybe data protection ultimately is, is, is futile, but we, we should do our very best to, uh, to fight, uh, of course, uh, for, for people's right to, to be protected. Um, I have to ask, I mean, since this, this is a, a topic that I'm very interested in, have you ever, you know, have you tied sequencing yourself? No, I no. haven't. And why or why not? I haven't considered it actually, but mm. I think it would be uh, interesting if it comes at, an, uh, at a reasonable cost mm. to understand. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many things you can understand, right? If you have a, a higher prevalence for some um, cancers, for Absolutely, example, genetically or, related yeah. illnesses, yeah. Or even if you do get uh, seriously ill, I mean, understanding how your body will react to different medicines, etc. Uh, and I actually heard on the news just the other day that uh, all children in Sweden that uh, are diagnosed with cancer will get to sequence their genes mm. so they can manage to uh, to tailor uh, the cure as, uh, as good as possible, which is super interesting. Yeah, and it's natural that it's happening right now. For me, this is one of these megatrends that uh, are really transforming how we do things because sequencing technology is falling in price every year. It's getting cheaper and cheaper. Uh, it's down to uh, you can do a full genome sequencing for a few thousand krona. And uh, there are even companies who will do it for free for you if they can sell your data then. <laughs> so uh, I'm skeptic to that uh, that hack Back but to data protection indeed yeah. indeed so i'd rather some boring sort of government uh, facility would do that i mean they already have most of this information anyway but um the what you point out is super important i don't think a lot of people are aware of that that people's genetics may have a very important effect on medicine they take so if individual a takes a certain medicine but has a special gene variant the effect of that medicine could be very different from person B it could be that it's just less uh, effect but it could also mean a completely negative effect and to date uh, yeah we do this in cancer treatment settings because it's a very expensive drug and it's often tailored to the individual but 
Don't you think this should be done on a broader scale? Definitely. I think this is a, a super important uh, thing to use sequencing for. Mm. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, it would be not that hard, I'm sure, to design sort of a kind of a, a trigger where you would ha someone would have their genome sequenced and uh, you go to pharmacy and you get your drug and then the pharmacist can just ping that without actually knowing, but they can ping for certain triggers, for example. Okay, uh, okay, so aha, uh -huh, you should not have that substance in the medicine. Well, then I have an alternative for you. Uh, I, I don't see that happening in the markets. Uh, but doesn't that come down to cost? It's, uh, it's too expensive still. But as costs are coming down, as you say, I'm sure we will be seeing more of that. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, what are the costs of mistreating people? So that has to be weighed in. I mm. guess it's always the challenge of uh, the benefit on a societal level versus the individual level. If you could choose yourself and you have the ability to pay, maybe you would. But uh, from a society point of view, it might not be, uh, be cost efficient yet. Right. Who's paying? Exactly. <laughs> that matters. So in my case, yeah, obviously, I'm very happy to splash out my hard-earned uh, krona on a few uh, testing kits uh, per year. So. Um, for the fun of it, uh, if nothing else. Um, so, um, finally, then, Luis, I'm interested to see uh, what initiatives would you like to see, sort of, from the uh, politicians or the the lawmakers, in order to facilitating to make it simpler for uh, companies in your industry uh, to um, to develop and to grow. I think it's about the attitude towards remote care in general. There is a debate continuously ongoing, it's been quite, quite hot uh, recently, about the digital healthcare providers or the digi-physical uh, now, where I think, you know, there's, there's never a point in trying to stop development. The key is to enable and make sure that it can be done in a way that benefits society. And digital health, remote care, it can all be a huge benefit. But I think it's about the attitude and an, the angle you take to the question of making you know, the, the laws and the regulations in a way that benefit the entire society mm -hmm. and not just trying to stop the mm. development of this. So if you could be a bit more specific, I mean, is there something you found frustrating in the way the systems currently operate? I think coming back to the reimbursement models that I briefly spoke about um, before, I think they are, um, they are not promoting uh, an efficient approach to remote care. I think they could be reviewed and, uh, and created in a way that can can benefit both the healthcare providers and the individuals a lot more. Mm. We didn't speak, uh, Luis, about uh, precision medicine as a term here, but I think that also plays very nicely into what you guys are doing. Uh, how do you see that uh, the stuff that you do can also be uh, a contributing factor to tailoring uh, treatments and diagnostics and making healthcare more, more personalized? I think we do it um, a little bit already today, but it's more on the wellness side of things, where we have uh, tests that can provide you with information about your 
uh, your muscle mass, what type of training is best for you, or what type of um, nutrition is best for you, and also your skin, um, your skin type, so what type of skin care you should have. And this type of uh, approach can of course be applied also to um, uh, to what we were talking about before, you know, pharmacogenetics, so how your genes um, will react to, uh, or how your body will react to different um, uh, medicines, etc. Louise, thank you very much for, for a great conversation. Uh, what you guys are doing with Dynamic Code, I think, is a role model for many entrepreneurs uh, around the world, uh, not least here in the Nordics. Thank you for all the hard work you're putting in. We're happy to follow the development of your business uh, and uh, how we can make personalized medicine, remote diagnostics, and in general, the public understanding of the power of digital biotechnologies, something that takes us to the next level in the 2020s. Thank you for being here. Thank you for summarizing it so well. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us here in Disruption Land. To visit again, just subscribe to Disruption Land podcast. This podcast is produced by Epicenter, the house of digital innovation. Discover all about our vibrant tech and business community and inspiring workspaces at We Are.